Welcome, everyone. I'm Sarah Muirhead. Joining us today in this special episode of Feedstuff's Precision Pork are two experts from ProVimi. We have Brent Frederick and Aaron Anger. And we're going to talk about a concern that always comes around in the summertime when the temperatures start to heat up, and that is heat stress. Brent, um, give us a little bit of background about you and what it is you do at ProVimi. Yes, uh, my name is Brent Frederick. I uh, grew up on a 100-sal ferro-to-finish operation in southern Georgia. I uh, got a Ph.D. in uh, animal nutrition uh, from uh, North Carolina State. Joined uh, Christensen Farms uh, for just about 17 years before coming to Provimi. Uh, worked in research and R&D and, and nutrition as well as various other uh, places along the way. And uh, currently, uh, I'm on my fourth week at uh, Provimi, and I am the pork innovation uh, lead and work with our uh, strategic marketing and technology area of the business and help support uh, producers, uh, nutritionists, and uh, everyone else involved. So, Very good. Erin, what about you? So I live in Michigan, and I grew up on my family's farm. Um, and then after going to Iowa State, I came back and worked there for about 11 years. Uh, while I was there, I oversaw about six sow farms. And um, toward the end of my time there, I oversaw the sows and wean to finish. And I've been with ProVimi for about three years now, and I work with customers on production support. So um, get in a lot of barns, sow farms, nursery finishing, and help with um, kind of anything production related. So Erin, what is, what is heat stress and how, what does it mean for pigs? So heat stress is a, something that's really important to think about. And um, heat stress happens when the pigs are environment is hot enough that it affects their performance. So in the summer, especially, we look at heat stress since the outside temperatures are warm. Um, and it mainly affects sow farms and then older pigs. But really, you can have heat stress any time of year if your barns aren't set up right. But summer is the time to really look at it. And it can really affect performance too then, correct? Yeah. Yep. Brent, um, is the U.S. hog industry, uh, is it is it capable of dealing with heat stress or is it something that kind of producers, we just have to live with it? Yeah, I would say uh, the hog industry is capable of dealing with a lot of, of things, especially right now with uh, COVID-19 and, and other things. So uh, heat stress relative to some of those other disruptions, um, relatively minor right now, but year after year, Definitely something that uh, producers can do things about uh, and improve performance or at least uh, reduce the, the lag in performance associated with those hotter months. But um, definitely something, uh, and we'll talk here uh, over the next few minutes about uh, some strategies, uh, some ways to do that um, at different uh, points uh, throughout the year. So. What about the role of like humidity and air movement in heat stress? Is that something that's that can be easily adjusted to reduce heat stress? So humidity and air movement both can be controlled to an extent with the ventilation systems. And so humidity is really important to control because the the more humid a barn is, the hotter the temperature feels. So 80 degrees 
at 50% humidity feels cooler than 80 degrees at 80% humidity. So it's important to make sure that the ventilation systems are working so that the um, humidity produced by the pigs is, is um, removed from the barn. And then air movement is important too because um, if the air is moving across the pigs, they're feeling cooler. Um, you can also use trippers or misters uh, or cool cells to help with cooling also, but then you also have to keep an eye on that humidity level because um, the air movement plus evaporative cooling from the water um, can help cool the pigs. But if you add too much humidity, then those pigs can still feel hot. So um, it's important to make sure that barn floors stay dry or if they, they get wet from the mister that they have time to dry in between the cycles. And then um, ventilation is just really important to keep an eye on. Um, and this is the time of year when we, we don't need to be worrying about heaters running. So we really want the fans to turn on and remove the heat quickly, especially on days that it's, it's going to be a hot day. So um, changing your bandwidths and differentials on your controllers can be really helpful. And so normally in the winter, we look at between set point and when your last fans come on, we can have a 10 to 12 degree spread. But in the summer, we really want to be a little tighter than that. So have just six to seven degrees from the time that um, you're at set point to when all of your fans are going. And it's just really important to be able to to keep those fans running so that even if it is hot during the day when it cools off, um, if you've got those uh, set points and the um, controller settings tight, then the barn is allowed to cool off at night. Because I've seen before where if, if people aren't adjusting those, then it might still be 70 degrees in the barn at night, even if it gets down to 60. So the ventilation systems are just really important to keep an eye on and make sure that fans are working, that the belts are in good repair, that everything's greased, that the curtain controllers are working. So all of those things um, go into making sure that the humidity and airspeed are correct in the barn. Brent, anything to add to that? Yeah, I'd say uh, evaporative cooling, uh, as Aaron mentioned, is is pretty important, especially in, in grow finish. Uh, however, being able to remove that uh, air and that heat out of the barn is, is definitely something that need to keep an eye on. Some of these uh, hot, humid days, sometimes adding some water can be a, a uh, potential sauna-type uh, environment. Um, so making sure that the floor dries um, and then uh, wet the pigs and, and not necessarily anything else. Remove that heat off the body because these pigs now nowadays relative to uh, in the past are so lean and producing uh, even more body heat than previously uh, going in and removing that heat is is definitely something so everything that that Aaron mentioned is spot on um, and we have even more opportunity uh, as we move forward to more efficient pigs as well. How does heat stress affect um, sow performance and what can be done to minimize the effects of heat stress and seasonal infertility? So 
Heat stress affects sows in a few different ways. So in the breeding and gestation barns, um, it's not just the sow herself that is stressed, but um, when you're taking semen into the barn and um, if that semen is getting hot, you can really affect um, the livability of the sperm cells. So it's really important to make sure that the semen cooler is working and that you're monitoring temperatures. Um, it's good to check temps on the semen when it arrives, just to make sure that it's it doesn't get too hot. Um, and then doing things like breeding early in the day, only taking a small amount of semen out at a time, all of those things can just really help with your farrowing rate, which is often affected. Um, and then another thing in the breeding barn is um, that the sows don't always want to cycle, so it can be hard to hit breeding targets, and you can have sows standing around for um, for more days than you would like. And so making sure that the, the teaser bores in the barn are kept cool and that you rotate through those so that they're not just standing in a hot aisle for a long time. Letting those breed with a cull sow um, or hand collect from them a couple times a week just to really uh, stimulate those bores so that then they are helping stimulate the sow. Um, and whatever you can do to just make sure that the sows are seeing the boars and um, making sure that they um, that the hormones are still working for them. Um, it's just really important to um, keep those things in mind in the the breeding barn. And then in the farrowing rooms, the big thing there is um, that if sows are heavy pregnant, they can die from heat stress. So making sure that before they farrow, they don't get too hot. And that as they're farrowing, you're checking to make sure that they're not having stillborn pigs um, and things like that. And then throughout the time in lactation, the more you can do to get them to eat, the better. Because um, we all know when pigs are hot, they don't want to eat. So um, making sure that the water flow rate is, is right and making sure that um, sows are getting up and eating, putting fresh feed in front of them multiple times a day, um, and remembering that they might eat more overnight. So if you're hand feeding and don't have a hopper, um, it's probably better to give them more at the end of the day than to try and get them to eat during the day. And so all of those things can um, can help with the the effects of of the heat stress. And it's all just little things that add up. So um, making sure that they have water and the, the ventilation is just really important. So um, if people want to check the water flow rates um, for a lactating sow, she should be getting eight cups of water a minute. And um, so that's a really easy thing to check. You can just take a a measuring cup and um, you know hold it in under the nipple water and see how long it takes to fill up one cup um, and do the math from there or you can if you've got a bigger cup that holds maybe a, a couple cups you can see if you're getting uh, you should be getting two cups in 15 seconds so um, which is which comes out to the eight cups a minute so those are 
things that are just really important to to keep an eye on so that um, you have you don't have lower total born and your ferrin rate's not affected. Um, so those are all just a few practical things. Brett, you have anything? Yeah, yeah. To, to pick up on that, and and Aaron's and spot on in terms of seasonal infertility and and uh, the lactation intake, uh, making sure that sow stays in good body condition or as good as can be throughout and uh, subsequent total born. And and that's where, from a nutritional uh, perspective, some might add some some energy to those lactation diets. Um, and adjust the, the lysine to ensure that we're getting an adequate amount of grams of lysine per day, so, so total intake of that. Uh, one, for the pigs that are, are being weaned and, and suckling, uh, but also, two on the rebreed, uh, really focusing on that, that uh, next uh, profitability going forward. It's really hard to think about uh, weaned pigs and, and investing in them right now, but if we think of investing in the sow, right now to to drive feed intake uh, or total uh, nutrient intake uh, for performance, uh, you know, four to four plus months from now, uh, really a place to, to be thinking about where, even though it might be hard now, what does that uh, profitability look like beyond uh, kind of the short term here? So uh, core nutrients are definitely something to look at. There's a few additives out there that potentially uh, can improve uh, feed intake, and uh, looking at those are are definitely an option uh, to to try to mitigate uh, seasonal infertility. So, um, yeah, invest in invest in her so she uh, returns you more in the future, even though it might uh, be tough right now to do so. Well, you mentioned feed additives and such. What kind of nutritional interventions um, really can really are effective to mitigate heat stress and grow finish stuff? Um, pigs. Yeah, so so we talked a little bit about sows. Now, converting to grow finish is a little bit different in that probably for the first time and and uh, or maybe the second time in my lifetime, uh, we have uh, tried to slow some pigs down uh, currently, and so um, that research has been done extensively uh, here over the last few months relative to ensuring that we can get uh, pigs through the uh, into the to the food sector uh, without getting those too bigs for the packing plants and those types of things. So that's a, a real uh, concern over the last few months. Uh, some are starting to um, get back to, to maybe a normal in terms of feeding, and then some are also uh, maybe putting the, the foot on the accelerator to try to, to uh, improve growth and, and get through there. So. Uh, acknowledging kind of where we are now, but if we think about uh, in general, if we were wanting to improve uh, performance and grow finish uh, during the summer months, there's there's several things that we can do. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind uh, is ractopamine. However, you know um, our customers are demanding less and less of that to be used, and so I think uh, many producers and, and many a lot of work has been done to find alternatives to that that give the similar performance or same performance um, and, and try to make up for that, uh, both the feed efficiency and, and particularly the growth, uh, especially in summer. Uh, that compound was definitely uh, uh, unique in the fact that it always delivered and was there. Uh, some, some additives are definitely making up some of that ground. 
Um, but it's tough to, to uh, make up all of that. So past being able to use uh, ractopamine, uh, you really start focusing back on core nutrition. And, and the first thing uh, that one might think about, and it really goes to, you know, the, the seasonal shifts that we have in really cool months uh, up here in Minnesota, really cold months, um, but uh, throughout the Midwest, cool and then really hot. And so we really do see a lot of change from the different seasons and reductions in feed intake and, and growth. And how do we balance that or try to flatline that a little bit more, much like we talked on the sow about uh, reducing uh, seasonal infertility. But on the grow finish side, you know, we might feed higher fiber diets, distillers and, and other uh, wheat mids or, or other fibrous source in winter. We've got a little bit longer, pigs eat well, um, we can reduce the cost of those diets in winter and still get to the market weights and quality that we're looking for. However, in summer, uh, some, many uh, reduce the fiber or, or potentially even eliminate some of the fiber that's added through those sources. So that's, that's probably number one. That'll increase the, the energy content of those diets. Um, the other thing that that does, uh, depending on the year and the region, of course, uh, is reduce uh, potential mycotoxins, specifically Dawn or, or something along those lines that uh, potentially reduce intake uh, beyond the, the effect of fiber. Uh, there's some mitigants, again, that can offset those, but really balancing the, the diet cost savings with using those alternatives to the mitigant and, and really balancing those costs to a net, uh, net profit. And then probably the, the next thing is, is, is reaching in the toolbox and getting out uh, additional fat uh, to increase energy. Again, the goal, just like in sales, is to get total nutrients in or not reduce those. Um, and the, the key there, specifically in, in meal diets, would be to add, uh, typically add enough fat that uh, you get the, the intake response that you're looking for or the total uh, intake that you're looking for, but to a point where it doesn't affect uh, feed flowability. And so sometimes we might go a little over on the adding fat, which can cause some bridging in the, in the feed bins. Or, and if we can't get uh, feed to the pigs, then it's absolutely not going to help because pigs uh, can't uh, grow without feed, right? So uh, that's a, another balancing act uh, that's there. Uh, once you increase the energy, increase the lysine and associated amino acids with those. And then uh, one in particular, uh, tryptophan to lysine, um, might be toggled uh, up a little bit to try to encourage uh, feed intake as well. Um, so that would be probably on the nutrition side, uh, what would be there, uh, and ingredient choice. If we talk about feeder management, it's very similar to what Aaron talked about before, is making sure that uh, they have feed at, at night going into that in the feeder um, so that, you know, when it does cool off, that they can actually uh, try to compensate for those, those times during the day when it's just too hot, they don't want to get up and might only get up when the sprinklers come on. So um really it's about just getting the the total amount of nutrients that we can in those uh pigs to to get the the most profit out of them one other thing on the the getting the the growing pigs to eat is also the water management so yeah. just like with sows um checking to make sure the flow 
the flow rate of the water is important there also. So nursery pigs should be at one to two cups per minute. Uh, finishing pigs should be at five cups per minute. And so it's important to not have too much water and and not to have too little water also. So having regulators to control that can be really important for getting the right flow rate. Because um, if, if it's too low, then they're not going to be able to get enough water, which affects feed intake. But if it's too high, then it's like when you're trying to drink water out of a garden hose and it's spraying everywhere. So, um, so water is just another really important thing to, to think about, in the, especially in the summer. Any final thoughts or guidances on where listeners can go to get more information on heat stress? At Provimi, we have a team of production support specialists that we will do ventilation barn audits and um, can help with other production-related things. So if people are interested in that, they can talk to uh, their Provimi rep. Brent, you have any other thoughts? Yeah, I would say that there's, uh, in addition to that, uh, some of the universities are, are definitely helping um, answer some of those questions. Uh, in this time, uh, there's some great references online from multiple universities. Um, so I would in, encourage anything, or, or as Aaron said, if if you'd like more details, kind of reach out to to us, and we'll help you uh, get more to more specific of of what you're looking for and and how to help you out. Um, and Sarah, hopefully, I can add in here that appreciate all the hard work that uh, producers and the people within our supply chain are doing uh, here uh, specifically over the last few months and and what they've been able to accomplish by uh, keeping a, a safe consistent food supply so thank you to to all the people that work on uh, within operations and and uh, hats off to you for sure most definitely yeah. I want to I want to thank both of you for joining us today um, on this special episode of Feedstuffs Precision Pork and for sharing your insights and and technical know-how on heat stress. So appreciate your time um, for Feedstuffs Precision Pork. I'm Sarah Muirhead. <laughs>